Welcome back to Dose of Support, a podcast where healthcare professionals share their stories and find community. Let's learn from each other and utilize some self-care in healthcare. I'm Dr. Vanessa Casper, a nurse practitioner, and I'm here to help our guests have a platform to share. Remember, I'm not your healthcare provider and neither are my guests, but we do encourage you to seek out care from your own professional. This podcast is not affiliated with any employer. And let's also remember to protect privacy and abide by HIPAA. It's hard out there. So let's find some self-care in healthcare. Stay tuned. virtual hug from me to you today. I really hope you found last week's episode helpful. And if you haven't listened and you feel the need to have ideas for reflection or how to look forward or goal setting, it's a really good episode for that and really focused on self-care. And so I just want to put a plug in. A lot of people have messaged me already saying that it was really helpful in our post-election waiting period. So um, check it out. Even for like looking forward and and moving moving forward through the holidays i think it can really help you this week i thought it would be important when when bringing back an interview to hear an international voice right now but do you remember a few weeks ago when i was like you know there's some big changes coming to the pod i just wanted to lay those out a little bit clearly right here so i've already mentioned that episodes will be shorter and my goal is to be 20 to 30 minutes and all Always at that so that it's really easy for you guys to just listen at any time. And I, I know I've talked about that before, but that really is a big commitment to me because I want this to be for you. The second thing is I I have found that so many people enjoyed last week's episode and it was kind of a tester. So I think moving forward, I would like to sprinkle in some of those really self-care focused episodes. What I would like to do is have more reflection helpers and more current issue helpers. You know, as we move into the holidays, people are going to be missing their families. People are going to be working shifts while um, patients are dying. There's going to be all sorts of issues that come up during the holidays um, and after as we start, you know, hopefully getting a vaccine for COVID. And I think having reflection and and help with those current issues for some of my episodes is really going to be important. And so I'm going to have some focused episodes and, and, you know, sprinkled in interviews as well. So uh, that way, every week when you listen, there's going to be a huge variety. So, all right. And as always, I mean, I feel like I need to verbalize this. It is my continued mission to lift up marginalized communities and voices and for us to hear those stories. My goal is always to have 20% of my guests overall be people of color or a marginalized group represented in that story. Um, And, you know, I shouldn't have to say that out loud, but we should all endeavor to lift up those stories and those voices because those are the people that we need to listen to, especially in this post-election period. You know, it's the voices of people that have been asking for help for a long time that we haven't heard, that, that haven't been heard. And I want this platform to serve as something where their voice can be heard. And so I just want that to be out there in the universe, that it is part of my mission here. And then I'd like, on a funny note, I... I would like to tweak my 
my music for the show. I'd like to keep like the theme and the rhythm and all of that, but I'd like to have some fun with it. And so if anyone knows how to do that, if you've been with me since the beginning, you know that I've like just kind of been flying by the seat of my pants and learning how to podcast and I literally produce and edit and do all the things. Um, But I did contract out someone to make my music for me and I... I paid quite a bit of money for that. And as you know, I do not make any money for this podcast, even with things that I mention on here or other people that I promote. I don't I don't get any reimbursement or anything for that. Um, And so I paid a fair amount of money to have this song made for the podcast. And I just want to switch it up. And I'm wondering how I do that. And so if anyone knows how to do that, reach out to me. Um, Theo is just a jack of all trades. I think you're really going to like this episode. And really, like, he's coming to us from the other side of the planet. So I really hope you enjoy it and stay tuned. Welcome back to Dose of Support. Our guest today started out as a plant physiologist, and here in the States, we might call that like a botanist. And somehow, he ended up volunteering as a translator at a refugee camp. Things only developed from there as he pursued his bachelor's degree in paramedic practice. Joining us today from Tasmania is paramedic Theo. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks, Vanessa, for having me on. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming today. So there's so, (laughs) your story was like, oh, I'm basically a botanist, but now (laughs) I'm going to go be a paramedic. Like I have so many questions for you. So um, I'm guessing that you have undergraduate work in plant physiology. So did you go to school for that? Yeah, that's right, Vanessa. In fact, what I didn't tell you was before that, I was an electrical apprentice and a, and a personal trainer. So I have been all over the place. It took me a little while to get settled, find my, you know, my career pathway. Um, but I'm glad to say I think I finally found it. <laughs> I like how you're like, well, I could I could go back. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Jack of all trades, but master of none. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so after my apprenticeship, I sort of, I had some injuries. Um from sport, which made it difficult for me to keep doing the manual work as an electrician. So I decided to go to university. I've always been interested in nature. I love hiking. I love, you know, adventures outside and all that sort of thing. So I thought, what better way to, you know, combine work and passion than study plants and be able to, you know, just work with plants. All right. And so tell me, how did you get to volunteering at a refugee camp? Like, what? (laughs) I know. So basically, was it in 2016? Um, I think around 2015. 2016 was when the crisis in Europe was getting really, really big. Like there were loads of refugees fleeing their home countries, and all sort of ending up in Europe and you know um, seeking some safety and security up there. So basically, um, I'm half Greek, as you may have noticed by my name. So my father's from Greece. My mother is Australian, but she spent like a decade in Greece. So she got married over there, married a Greek guy, and um, I was born just after they moved back to Australia. So all of my father's family's over in Greece. Um, so I'll go over there, you know, whenever I can to, to catch up with them. Um, 
the church I'm a part of also has like a global relief agency and they were running some medical clinics and sort of administration of various refugee camps around um, uh, Europe and Greece. Um, they were running the medical clinic in the famous Mariah camp in Lesbos in Greece and they had just moved from there to another hotspot in Greece uh, when I arrived and I thought um, I knew some of the people that were involved, so I thought I'll, I'll just pop by and see firsthand, get eyes on what this refugee crisis is um, really all about. There's okay. only so much you can see online. And so do you do you speak Greek? And I, I'm just wondering, like, so you're in Greece <laughs> and you're volunteering in a refugee camp with people that speak a different language, but you're a translator. Mm. Yeah, so I was fortunate enough to be taught Greek growing up. Um, in my okay. family, we spoke Greek. My dad taught me all the Greek um, history and all those books and stuff as I, was, as I was growing up. So I grew up knowing two languages. Is it like my big fat Greek wedding? Is it like <laughs> that? <laughs> it's not too different, to be honest with you. It's oh my not God. too different. It <laughs> is true, joking, I know. But I love it. <laughs> yeah, look, I went vegetarian, um, plant-based as well. And when I went back to Greece, my grandma was like, oh, it's chicken. Oh, it's fish. You know, it's not red meat. It's it's fine. <laughs> Just like in the movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Surprising okay. how accurate it is. So you saw a lot of suffering and guessing in this refugee camp. And, and it sparked this desire for you to become a paramedic. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'd never been involved in anything like this before. Um, personally, I've been interested in like my own health and well-being. Um, haven't really, never really thought about going into something like this um, in terms of making it a career, looking after other people's health. But when I was over there, I felt um, something pretty, I don't want to be cliche, but it felt kind of special. Like I felt like I really um, belonged or could apply myself in, in, a, in a meaningful way. And I felt like there was meaningful difference being made through my efforts. Okay, so when you were over there, you felt like you really found something? Um, I was getting a little bit bored, a bit claustrophobic in the lab, you know, um, working <laughs> just day after day with all these predictable thousands of samples and working, typing away, writing articles. And I thought, um, yeah, I've got to get out. I've got to do something. I like the, 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 um, the unpredictable sort of nature of day-to-day -day work was one of the things which attracted me to paramedicine. All right, so in the States, a paramedic is paid probably close to minimum wage. If, I mean, it really needs mm. to be better. Um, wow. And a paramedic can have a two-year associate's degree. Mm -hmm. um, and so I noticed that you have a bachelor's degree. And so what was your program like, just in a nutshell, were you – because you already had a degree, did you get to do an accelerated program or do mm. all paramedics have a bachelor's program in Tasmania or how does that work? Yeah. So in Australia, we've recently, recently, you know, well, within the last decade, it's been sort of a slow transition, transition from a trade-based program, which is I think what you guys have in the States where it's a trade mm -hmm. that you learn, you go through trade school um, mm -hmm. and you learn a lot on the job which I like that aspect. Mm -hmm. I think that's good. Now we've transitioned to it being a, um, a profession um, where we are registered individual health practitioners. And okay. so we need a, a bachelor's degree. Um, there was no recognition of prior learning with me. Uh, there was a few core units. I think I could, I could get credit for some of the core units, um, okay. but there wasn't an accelerated pathway. Having said that, my university um, 
was the only one in Australia which actually did it fast track. So a three-year bachelor was condensed into a two-year um, time okay. frame where you had no holidays. You just kept studying, <laughs> going all the way. <laughs> and it's a shame it's to a hear that course. it was a bit of a crash course. We, we sort of learned running, yeah. Um, it's a shame to hear about the, the pay grades and that in the U.S. because especially from over here and we look at the U.S., you know, firefighters and paramedics are seen as, you know, real heroic. Like it's, it, you've got a really cool culture over here, which we don't have over here. Over here, paramedics are sort of just, I don't know. I don't think they, they're heralded in such a heroic manner as they are in the States, but maybe you need that over there because of the minimum wage. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> the people that are doing the work really love what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and sure, we have, the, we have the culture that we appreciate them and love them, but then we don't pay them or give them good health mm. benefits. So it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, so I, I take it that because you've been recognized as a profession more so now in the next, mm. in the last decade that you've, I hope that that follows through to your benefits and your pay. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Actually, the, the professional registration only actually came through one year ago. <laughs> Took a long time oh, to wow. come. Um, and then the the pay grade and stuff, all that and the benefits are more so to do with the union industrial action than it is with the okay. registration. So I think gotcha. we've got probably one of the strongest unions <laughs> from what I hear in Australia. And so, okay. um, yeah, look, we do better than nurses over here. Um, and it's wow. not hard to... Yeah, so I, mean, I don't know nurses, what, what nursing unions are super strong here. So that's yeah, okay. I mean, I they wonder if it's yeah. like comparable in in that way. I don't know. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I mean, I think that always has a lot to do with it. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Okay. There's an interesting structure difference here between nursing and paramedicine here in terms of the yeah, pretty much everything, the shift patterns and working and benefits. So yeah. All right. Well. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to hear from Theo about a story from practice and some self-care ideas, so stay tuned. Welcome back from that little break. I've got Theo here, who is a paramedic in Tasmania, and he's going to share a story from practice. Take it away, Theo. All right. Thanks, um, Vanessa. So I want to share a story which helped me um, really learn about the need, I guess, the need and the, um, the efficacy of good self-care practice. Um, obviously, it's something which is important in paramedicine in most health professions. Um, when you're exposed to suffering and sad things that might happen. Um, it's interesting, everyone, I've, I've really found this to be true, truer than ever, that everyone really does react differently and is sensitive to different things. So um, the first time that I had a case which sort of rocked my boat a little bit and sort of laid me out mentally and emotionally, you know, for a good week, um, was a little way into my career, uh, a little background. So I've only just graduated in February. Um, I've been working now for six to eight months by the time this episode gets put on. Um, so in that time, I've 
obviously, you know, worked with um, a few, fair few sad things and people dying and all that sort of stuff. None of them really affected me as much as this one time we had to go to a private hospital, which didn't have good critical care facilities, um, to pick up someone who's having a heart attack. Um, so when we got there, um, it was someone who was fairly young and fairly fit and healthy to be having a heart attack, and it was just a genetic problem they had in their heart. Um, some vascular disease there. Anyway, that was super cool, super nice. They actually worked um, in administration in law for the health department. Um, so, you know, sort of like a, a meaningful person in that sense. Um, and well, they're all meaningful, obviously, but, you know, here, closer to home, I guess, because we worked in the same field. Um, they were super nice, relatable. We found some very, um, some common ground. And um, anyway, um, successfully transported her. Um, and then by the time we got up to the sort of the PCI table, um, it was some time because it's some far, you know, as far distance. Um, it was a long time to be in like an active STEMI. <laughs> and then um, basically on the table, her LMCA dissected. Um, so that's like your, your big coronary artery. And um, mm -hmm. then so obviously she lost a lot of blood out of that. She needed um, emergency surgery and then it was difficult to contact out of our things. It was in the middle of the night. Anyway, um, we had to go on another job. So the last thing I saw was her sort of like, yeah, bleeding out internally and in pain and they could you know trying to scramble around and anesthetize her and all that sort of stuff and it's interesting because i mean i've had relationships with other people let's say um at that refugee camp there was a, a young guy about my age who was um sort of a bit of a community leader we worked closely with him um he ended up drowning and that was really sad and had to take his mates down to the morgue you know to see him for them to grieve him and all that sort of stuff and that was pretty sad laid me out for a day sort of thing a bit of a vegetable but nothing was quite like this and i don't know why um, some of these things are hard to tell why anyway she ended up in icu on ecmo i think she went for a heart transplant um and i was really affected to the point that like i couldn't stop like just researching and reading like what went wrong and wrong and why um and it was sort of starting to affect my relationship with my wife as well this sort of thing wow. so um this made me realize how important it is to really talk about these things to those people close to you especially if you you know to your spouse because it's going to affect your relationship <laughs> whether you like it or not yeah. it's important that they know um mm -hmm. and it's important that um you know you can get that out as well i spoke to my clinical support officer which is one of the sort of supervisors at work um that was helpful we looked her up on the digital medical record as well anyway um this experience made me remember something um that i'd read um, and this is really cool. This is a bit of a passion of mine in terms of self-care type stuff. So whenever we go through a traumatic event, um, there's two ways we can go. Uh, so we can get, obviously, if we're really affected, we can get post-traumatic stress disorder, um, which we all know what that is, and it's not pretty. But then there's also post-traumatic growth. And um, this is something that really interested me when I saw it in the literature. So we can see traumatic events as opportunities to grow. Um, yeah. And there was just five traits which they listed, um, which were important for predisposing yourself to grow. So it's not something you can just choose like that to do. It's something you have to prepare yourself to do. Um, these five traits were positive meaning in life, uh, meaningful relationships, future orientation, um, self-efficacy, and an inner drive to personal growth. So um, 
positive meaning in life that can come from many different things, whether it's your faith or um, you know your passion and purpose, um, your ideology. Uh, meaningful relationships, oh, that's a no-brainer. It's good to have people of support around you. Um, future orientation, thinking about the future, planning for the future. Um, I think that's a, that's a good thing because you can always have hope for the future and, and see where you're going. Self-efficacy is basically your, your belief in your own ability. Um, and personal growth, obviously, that's sort of openness to experience. So that, these things really helped me, having, having those people close to me, thinking about the future. The positive meaning in life was sort of found through my faith. Um, and prayer was a big thing. Meditation, not because you need to make known you know, to God or whatever the things you're feeling, but it helps you to be honest with yourself. And I think it's really important to be honest with yourself. I've got a bit of a problem with just getting really busy. You ask my wife <laughs> whenever like, I'm stressed, I just make myself super busy. And um, it's a bad habit I have. And um, it's your coping it's, mechanism. I mean, it, I think yeah, it's also sort of sweeping it under the rug. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you're not dealing with it then. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It is. It is important to to balance your coping mechanisms with really addressing it. It's hard to face everything all at once. So being busy was is something positive and helpful to me as well. So these five items are really a way for people to take control of their own recovery when they've been through something. And so I would love if you would share and we can put them in the show notes. Um, it sounds like meditation and your faith and the people around you are also a huge part of your self-care. Is there anything like luxurious that you do? <laughs> oh, luxurious. Let me think. <laughs> I mean... Who doesn't like food? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I like yeah. Food. I like my food. Um, yeah. Probably a bit of food and sort of just like sometimes it's good just to completely, I feel like com completely not switch off the brain. Like you don't want to open up your brain and just become completely, you know, like hypnotized. <laughs> but just switch it off, lie in bed, have some nice snacks and watch something interesting <laughs> where your brain isn't engaging and, you, you know, you're not thinking. That's, that's a nice thing. Looking at the big picture and looking at the small picture, like micro pictures can be really, really helpful, you know, and enjoying this little simple pleasure, the simple, um, as you say, luxury that we have. Well, Theo, this has been a treat. I really enjoy hearing perspectives from um, people that are outside of the States, first of all, but obviously outside of my profession, which is nursing. And so it's really good to hear from a paramedic um, and it's really good to hear from someone like you who has such a strong presence on social media. So how can people connect with you if they're like, I just love him? <laughs> what do they do? Well, um, yeah, so when I was a student paramedic, I um, created a page just to sort of document my journey, just to put some things out there, like a little community of student paramedics to share other student paramedic stories on there. So it's very simple. It's on Instagram. It's at student paramedics. Um, one word there. Um, so I post um, also in my story things about you know my work and some good old ECG quizzes, medical quizzes, some educational content on there. Got plans to sort of expand the educational side of things. Um, I know that when I was a student, I really found that sort of thing useful. And so I want to put out as much as I can of that. Also started a little store earlier this year. When I was a student, I made a little flashcard booklet. Um, then I've developed it and expanded it, and I sell that online. 
at mymedequip.com. So you can find a little pocket sort of reference guide there for common emergencies. Um, and then there's a bunch of other things there. Um, you can get your, your gear and your kit there, um, whether you're a paramedic or a nurse. Um, so that's it, My Medequip and at Student Paramedics. Very good. So um, thank you for being on the show today. Listeners, you know what to do. You can find me at Dose of Support on Instagram, on Facebook, on my website. You can email us at hello at doseofsupport.com. We drop a new episode every Wednesday. And if you are enjoying these episodes and getting some good self-care ideas, please write me a review. That's really going to help me grow. So um, thank you to Theo for being on today. Thank you, Vanessa, for having me on. Thanks so much. Very good. Listeners, I will be back in your ears next week. Every role in healthcare is important, and these experiences matter. We'll be back next week with a brand new guest and a whole different story. Until then, make connections, you guys. Give each other a dose of support. Dose of Support is written, produced, and edited by me, Vanessa Casper, with exclusive music by Rafael Sequeira. Don't forget to rate the show, write a review, and leave feedback wherever you listen. I'm punching out until next week, where we try to find some self-care in healthcare once again.